Hi folks and welcome back to another episode of Relo Podcast. My name is Connor McCann and with me as always are Lee Maxwell and uh, Nigel Lamont. Yeah, you forgot my name there. <laughs> <laughs> We're off to a good start as ever. So uh, yeah, there was a great reaction and response to our last episode which was about the Group B rally cars. If you haven't listened to it, check it out. Uh, this episode we are talking movie cars and car films themselves so this is a topic that is near and dear to our hearts the three of us are kind of film nerds and i think deep down most car people are because there's a lot of car films out there whether they're good or bad is up to yourself but we're going to talk our favorites today so before we get into that though what's new with us so guys what's new with you i talk about the last time the mark sex golf gta i got it running Got it, everything sorted out, done test drives on it, um, and it's run sweet, driving really well, took it out for a good half an hour drive, and it's now up for sale, so if you want a sweet Mark 6 Gold GTI, hit me up. It's looking so, well. Yeah, I'm really pleased with it now, so the fellow before me, he looked after it really well, um, it's a good spec car, um, yeah, it's all good. That would be a nice daily driver. Yeah, the DSD... That's, that's, that's my first DSE car, believe it or not. And what do you think of it? I know uh, our friend Gethin is a, a big fan of it. I, I get DSG as a daily, but I drive it hard to see what it's like to push on. Yeah, but it's probably something you get used to and you you learn to drive with and all the rest of it. But I just, I, I think I'd miss the man too much. But as a, if I was doing a lot of miles, absolutely DSG all the way. Yeah, Definitely for traffic, and especially as I've said before, what Lee does. I'm right there. Like, I love mine now, and I didn't think I would like it that much. But I think I was thinking of old. I think I've said this before, like old automatic slush, slush, slush boxes. boxes that the change in them is so big jerk and everything. The DSG in my car, I don't know if it's the same in that Mark Six. I assume it's something similar. You don't even feel the change. No, no. Like you don't even know it's changed gear, except the thing on the dash says that you have. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, it's almost like a CVT box. <laughs> yeah. But no, I think for a bit of a spur to drive, you can't beat rolling gears. Yeah. You get too used to it. I took your bore out the other night and I came up to a roundabout and I nearly forgot to change down gears coming yep. up to the roundabout. I was like, <laughs> oh shit, gears, what are those? <laughs> it, it also made me realise how far down the rabbit hole I've gone with Edition 30 with modifications. Uh, yeah, because those cars should be very similar performance-wise, both standard, shouldn't they? Yeah, um, but it's just the drivability of the Mark Six compared to still static. It's just night and day. Oh, ah, uh, yes. Yeah, sorry, I was thinking more of the like the tuning modifications you've done as opposed to the handling. Ah, uh, well, there's that too. Like, but it's, it's more the fact. It's yeah. It's just you realise what. <laughs> what you've done what, what what road you've done went down with the car <laughs> I and as a consequence what road you can't go down with the car <laughs> yeah, correct correct um, but no pleasantly surprised with the car and I'm still in two minds to keep it or not <laughs> yeah I suppose it's one of those things you don't really if you don't have to sell it it's no hardship to live with like it's not killing you yeah, yeah. also made it says this week that I think I'm going to and just put the Corrado in the shed for the year. Um, as I'm bringing out the Mark One Golf, it's actually a way of getting the carb dialed in at the moment. Very and, nice. Uh, so I don't think I have any justification for having four cars in the road over a year. That's probably going to be halfway in lockdown. You know, you're asking the wrong people. 
<laughs> I wish I had four cars on the road. I'd be happy with that. Yeah, it'd be great. It's just the it's the fuel, the insurance, the tax, the maintenance. Oh, that's broke. That's broke. This needs replaced. Just uh, I'm just no. Yeah, that, it all adds up. I have to think with this in the brain instead of my heart, and uh, I think I'm just going to put the crowd on the uh, shed for the year. Yeah, the Mark One's no bad replacement. No, I'm looking forward to that now. Definitely. Are. I can't wait sure. to see it out again. I'm I'm really excited about it. Yep. So that's the news for me anyway. What about yourselves? Um, well, for me, I have two things. So the first one is that my lovely Lego Porsche arrived. Yay! Mm. So it's a really big box. It came, and the box that it came in is even bigger. The delivery guy came to the door, and I was like, "What have I ordered that is this size?" And then I was like, "Oh, Lego Porsche." <laughs> Lee, when you started talking there about the Lego, you know what you sound like? Buddy the Elf. <laughs> <laughs> it's a really big box, and I couldn't believe it. <laughs> Lee likes her Lego. I love Lego. Round. Lego's my favourite. <laughs> Your joy could be heard. <laughs> so that's one. I didn't get the that special collector's pack, which I was pretty raging about. But then when I look I back... I've seen that there. What's the difference in that, though? Is that just random selection or what? Or? No, it was supposed to be like the first, if you, because I'm in that VIP club. So the thing isn't actually officially released to the public until sometime next month or middle Ooh. of March. But I got the early access to it, but it was supposed to be, I don't know if it was limited to the first X number of people or whatever. Because when I look back on the email and look back on the website and stuff, it wasn't even mentioned on it. So maybe I missed it because I didn't order it until the afternoon of the day that it came out and I assume there were other even nerdier nerds than me who were on first thing at like 8 o'clock in the morning when it released. Well, on that topic then, did Matt get his collector's edition one? <laughs> I don't know. I, I saw that he got his and he I think he has it built now. I haven't even got mine out of the box yet. I haven't had time, but uh, <laughs> I don't know whether he got it or not. And then the nope. second piece of good news is that we have Par back in the workshop again. Yay! <laughs> yep, our uh, sparking brothers Dan and Patty were around yesterday. Yeah, and ran the cables and the underground ducts and got everything sorted out. So yeah, it's quite a hefty cable, but I'm glad we overspecced it because we do a lot of like welding and stuff and that kind of thing. So it'll be nice to get it sorted. It also means in this section of the show, where we talk about things that we have done with cars, we'll actually have things yeah, to talk we about. We might actually <laughs> be able to do something now that we have light and power back in the workshop. So the bar, the barn spells over. It is indeed the. Uh, I think it's August. We disconnected the power, mm. so it's got to six months, five or six months. And we've had power in there. Uh, and then myself, then being an adult, has kicked my ass for the past two weeks. So between. Family things, uh, work, just shit happening around the house. I had very little to be doing with cars. And then having the ever supportive parents that I grew up with, my mum decided, no, you will have something to talk about on the podcast. And her exhaust broke in half and fell off the car. Well, that was very thoughtful of her. It was, yeah. It was uh, delightful. So I was tasked to sort that out. And we got a full replacement from front to back for Ponto. And Friday, I removed it. Lifted it on Saturday and then fitted it on the driveway this morning. It makes me ever more grateful to think that in the not too distant future we'll have a two post ramp and I'll not be lying on my back for much longer. <laughs> Good stuff. Yeah, so that another thing that made me laugh during the week was uh, our friend deeply our friend is deeply embedded in the NI BMW club, Andy Totten. 
And I, th- I thought you were going down a totally different path when you said my friend is deeply embedded. Well, <laughs> I was thinking who's a terrorist or something. I wouldn't like to say where Mr. Totten has been deeply embedded, but <laughs> he was spotted on Facebook on one of those uh, spot your, is this your car? Have you seen it, Nigel? And no, he was out in the, the absolutely gorgeous, the need 28 5 series he has. Yeah. And someone spotted it and described it as an older gentleman driving it and wasn't <laughs> afraid Lord. of it. <laughs> so he must sure. have had his piggy blinders cap on. He must have had. So I'm not sure if it's that or those luscious blonde locks were confused for grey locks, but I'm um, sure Totten was uh, delighted with that. And half the world let him know because... He How was, did I miss that? Well, Why was, did I not was, get stuck in that? He must have been tagged in it 50 times. It was absolutely great. <laughs> well, t- tag me in it so I can get stuck in it. <laughs> yeah, don't let this die. <laughs> oh, dear. Yeah, so that's uh, that's everything for myself. So we're approaching a few local businesses to try and help you guys out, our listeners. And first off the bat for the month is Anakem Detailing Products. We know by now that there's been a lack of car shows over the last year, but despite this, your car cleaning regime shouldn't be neglected. Check your detailing bag and restock it with the latest Anakem products. A locally based company, their team work with leading detailers to develop and continually refine their products to be one of the best. Here's a totally unbiased review from a random source. My name's Lee Maxwell and these products changed my life. So you too can have your life changed just like Lee. Anna Camera teaming up with us at Relo Podcast to offer you 10% off your orders over £30 for the month of March. So head over to anakem-automotive.com and use Relo 10 at the checkout for you to have your life changed potentially. So we'll uh, head on into our news section then, folks. Yep, sounds good. The first bit of news really is uh, the passing of rally legend uh, Hanu Miklau, uh, the Finnish rally driver whose career spanned several decades. He died at the age of 78 there last week. Just an icon within the rallying scene. In the 70s, he began and became a bit of an icon with the escorts. That's where he found success in the escorts in the 70s. He won the 1979 manufacturer title with Ford. Uh, then he signed up with Audi in the Quattro from, I think it was 1981, and eventually won the WRC title in 1983. His whole career, he had 123 WRC starts. That's, like that's, that's impressive. Serious numbers. He won the, his, his own finish rally, a thousand lakes. He won it seven times. So just a quick mention to Rallying Legend. Sad to hear of his passing this week. Yep. Yeah, RIP. Uh, my first bit of news is actually quite old news by this stage because I think it happened the day that we recorded the last podcast. Um, but just to mention it, that there was a, unfortunately an earthquake resulting in a landslide uh, in Japan at one of the very famous drift circuits, Ibisu, is that? Ibitsu. Ibitsu. Um, unfortunately, drift Mecca. Drift, drift Mecca. Yeah, it's caused quite substantial damage to some of the tracks. Now, from what I gather from having a look at it, I didn't know much about it until I saw the news, but... Uh, it's quite a big facility with a number of different tracks. So seemingly some of the tracks are still okay, but a couple of the tracks have been really badly damaged and it's going to take some some pretty serious work to get them back in smooth tarmac again, I think. Yeah, especially with it having been hit hard this last year or so, you know, with everyone closed, it's obviously the revenue wouldn't be there to restore that, is yeah. it, It was like a double sucker punch to that facility. Like the, To put it in context, if you watch some of the drifting channels, especially the American ones, there's guys in the keep cars out of it, so and fly in from America, from Europe, just to drift at that um, facility. It's not like a regular racetrack. It's like a community racetrack, but you can keep cars there. There's workshops, there's tires, uh, tire shops, tire facilities, there's tools. It's a really strange, unique place, and 
it was it's well loved around the world. So I think Adam LZ was mentioned last week, and there's going to be a GoFundMe set up. So I'm sure that'll that'll sort that out hopefully sooner rather than later. Yeah, that's good. That's the likes of GoFundMe is great for that kind of thing for a community to come together and like yeah. help that out. My first one then is I think was it Nigel you posted this during the week? Um, Formula One Drive to Survive is returning to our screens. Yay. Hallelujah. So 19th of March it is back. It should be interesting to see obviously it goes a lot behind the scenes. It'll be interesting to see the behind the scenes of how the likes of COVID and pandemic affected their world. You know, there'll be a lot that you'll not see obviously watching the races live or anything, you know, so it'll be interesting to see that. The other thing is you might get some behind the scenes of uh, Grosjean's big crash. I'm sure yeah, they would have been on, on site for film and that, so that could be good too. Mm-hmm. So I will definitely be watching that. Yeah, great series. Check it out. It's a Netflix Series 1 and Series 2. If you have been an F1 fan in the past and you've sort of lost heart in it, this will rekindle your passion for it, I would say. Yeah, and in the case of Lee and I, like, we despised F1. Like, we would not give it a chance after having tried before, and this has really boosted it for us. Yeah, absolutely. I think it was actually Robin put me on to it. He said it was brilliant. So. Yeah, mm-hmm. I randomly texted Robin about it. I think I was suggesting it to him. He was like, yeah, we've watched it and like we've sat in bins, watched the whole thing. I was like, yeah, I watched two episodes and then felt bad. And I was like, even though Lee doesn't like Formula One, I'm going to make her watch this because she will like it. And she did. <laughs> <laughs> Do you want to go, Nigel? Yeah, just a quick mention that the Club Sport Edition 45. Now, we did mention the release of the Club Sport last year. And I'm confused at this stage. I think I was talking to you earlier about it. Every five years, there's a, an edition GTI brought out. Edition 40 was in 2007, so technically the new edition should be in 2022. It is being released April 21. Please tell me what what's going on, because I'm confused. You mentioned you're uh, confused. I think Volkswagen are confused. Yeah. You think all these guys are sitting at home, like working from home, they don't know what day of the week it is. They've lost track of two years, and I'm like, right, <laughs> what edition's year is out, it? <laughs> stick the edition out. <laughs> Like, I think they're really, they're really rushing to get stuff done before the ban of petrol and electric cars. Get the next or, or 10 years. Diesel cars, sorry. Get the next 10 or 15 years worth of additions out in two years. <laughs> yeah. I was looking at some press photos of it. <sighs> Just the whole thing, the new new way of wheels. The, the, the wheels look crap. Look like something from 15 years ago you'd see in a random car accessory shop. Sports seats, bland, not, not even a sniff in their Lagos to throw back to the Volkswagen Heritage. I just don't know what's going on anymore. It's 40k, 300 brake, pedal turbo. It's up 54 over the standard GTA, not a 65.6 seconds. Only in DSG and electronic LSD. See, the thing for me is it's always going to be a good driving car. It's going to perform perfectly. The issue is it's not the best golf out there. Like the, the Halo car is obviously the R. So the people buying this are kind of the nostalgic enthusiasts who want something that harks back to the original, whether, as you said, is the Interlagos interior or wee touches like that. But if they aren't in this car, I don't see who it's aimed at. That's exactly the point. There's no breadcrumbs to the past. No, it's so, just like they're they're wiping the slate clean. And then once you lose your heritage, it's very, very difficult to gain that back. And the seats that have the, the hexagon pattern, that's a new way of thing. This one is always a throwback to celebrate the GTI. So, yeah. I don't know. I'm just grumpy old man. <laughs> oh, well, I'm grumpy, slightly not as old man. <laughs> Lee's just grumpy. Yeah. <laughs> You're a brave man, Connor. Oh, she's across the table. That's fine. I just had a little bit about the new Top Gear trailer has dropped this week. 
it's not something, not a show that I have watched for a long, long time, but I thought it was worth mentioning because it's the 30th season. Um, it's 30, interesting 30 cars. seasons, that's mental. Yeah, and it's weird to think, isn't it? This is the new lineup, though, isn't it? Yeah, um, yeah. Paddy McGuinness, Freddie Flintoff, Chris Harris. Chris Harris. Nigel's boyfriend. Yep. Nigel's boyfriend. <laughs> my guy, my guy. Um, there's some tasty cars in the trailer, to be fair. There's a Ferrari Roma 355, New Land Rover Defender, Snooze. Um, <laughs> but yeah, as I say, I probably won't watch it, but I'm sure a few of our listeners will. Yeah, you know what? It gets good reviews, and something... If they, if they have moved away from like the end of what was the old Top Gear, where it was like scripted and set up and just so false, I probably would enjoy it, but I just have never tried it. Seemingly as well, it's supposed to be a new Grand Tour special, so not a new series, but just a like a single special dropping in June as well. No official dates on it yet, but uh, and there's wa- no official date for Top Gear yet either. It's just it's coming soon, apparently. <laughs> That's a bad release date. They should really do that in April because apparently all well, everything's going to open up again in June. They're saying. <laughs> so yeah, get it right before uh, be uh, nobody, will, again. nobody will watch it. <laughs> <laughs> Ratings will tank. Another one for me. Then I'm like the the grim reaper of shows here at the minute. Last episode, I announced that Wethersea was cancelled, and a bit closer to home, Kilbrony show was officially cancelled. So Kilbrony, for those who don't know, is a huge uh, vintage sort of classic show, which is odd because you see a lot of cars now that we wouldn't consider vintage or classic, but they're in there. It's an outdoor in a forest park, a hundred years of cars, a couple of thousand cars turn up, a few thousand people, spectators, on a good day, there is nothing like it. Yeah, it's when you get the weather, it's fantastic. The problem is the average age of the people that go to this show is a COVID wet dream. So like COVID... <laughs> COVID is there at the gates waiting and it's eyeing them up. And COVID, COVID sits at the gates like Mr. Smithers rubbing his hands going, excellent. excellent. <laughs> Release the COVID. But uh, yeah, it's probably... No, but they, they, they'll all have their jobs. So I don't know why they cancel it because they could turn up like X-Men going, <laughs> they could fly come in. at me, bitch. Come at me, bitch. <laughs> uh, the only thing about it is this was announced before this recent uh, like yeah. ro- roadmap announcement. So they might yep. U-turn it, but at the same time... See, last as, year they had a second date of September. Yeah. The only problem is, like, and we said this about Dubshed before, these shows don't happen overnight and they take a serious yep. input. So if they have been expecting this to be shut down and haven't done the input, it's, you know, yeah. the chances are it's not going to happen. But here, we can wait and hope. Bring back shows. Um, Just a callback, then news we talked about, oh, must be a brief few episodes ago. Cattle ain't dead yet. Uh, it was our story that we brought a few months ago. It was basically about Porsche developing the synthetic fuel, e-fuel. Uh, it's just another bump in the story there, saying things are going well. They basically stated they will have the same, if not less, of a carbon footprint than an electric car. That's an interesting one now. I wonder, does that take into account the like the difference in scrapping your old car to buy an electric car, you know, versus keeping your car and running their fuel? Does it take that into account, or is it solely just on the the product being used either way well, i don't care it's i would great. say if they're state i would say if they're stating it they probably would do the full breakdown of it like yeah because i think lee mentioned way way back in the early episodes like it's far more economical to keep the car that you have than to recycle it and buy a new car because the like the environmental impact of the production of a new car is insane sure look at the ridiculousness of the scrappage scheme that government brought in oh don't make me oh, angry don't start me on that please <laughs> We'll get cross again. <laughs> I want to. I want to invade them airfields in England like a peta protester and just release them all. <laughs> release them <laughs> like little ducks. 
Or at least pick them for parts. Mm. Yeah. At least they can live but, on. Uh, yeah, they're just uh, testing, proper testing on the road. Starts in 2022. There's no need to convert your engine. It's a straight fuel. There's no adaption of the engine. And it'll reduce your CO by 85%. Excellent. It'll be interesting. Obviously, Porsche will have like a patent on this, but if this gets into other people's hands and it works well, it can obviously drive the price of it down for your average user. It's not going to end up something like where 100 years ago everyone had horses, but now it's incredibly expensive to have horses where, you know, this fuel would price you out of the market. If we can get it cheap, that's great for everyone. Yeah. I have one more story. Just the quick announcement that see it. Cooper range, they are they have a SUV called the Formentor, which is the two liter turbo. Uh, <laughs> That's such machine. a weird name. It sounds like a fart or something disgusting. Fart Mentor. The Formentor. Well, they're, bringing out, they're bringing out the VZ5. So this is coming out in 2022 and left hand drive only 7,000 made. So I don't know whether it's coming out in the UK or not. They're basically firing an RS3 engine into it, a 2.5 turbo, 390 brake, not the 16, 4.2 seconds, four-wheel drive, big-ass brakes, big-ass body kit. It basically looks like, honey, I shrunk my oris. What you're saying is someone went into the seat meeting, banged a load of coke just as they walked in the door and went, RS3 engine, end an SUV, go for it. Do you know what it sounds like? It sounds like an engine tuner from Britain has been in the meeting. Yeah, it sounds like somebody, like, just some car enthusiast with too much yeah. money it was like yeah we'll do this some youtuber <laughs> maybe, maybe, they had, maybe they had a car car enthusiast focus group and just went yeah let's go mental yeah we should have more of those that sounds a bit like <laughs> dodge are doing in the states everyone's moving towards like more economically friendly and dodge are just looking at their entire range and going what can we stick a giant engine into biggest engines <laughs> <laughs> the horsepower wars ain't dead <laughs> You mentioned before, Nigel, as well, that Audi are very protective of the RS3 five-cylinder turbo, because obviously they yeah, wouldn't... But... It's interesting to hear it going into that. Yeah, that's actually a very good point. Never thought of that. I wonder, will that open it up to more manufacturers then? Who knows? But Who saying knows? that, Seat have always been very performance-based. Like, you look at the likes of the... In the 20-valve turbo days, like, they were getting a lot of the... Like, the 225, the really hot 20-valve turbos, as opposed I to wonder. Volkswagen, who weren't. So maybe they'll keep I'm it to j- that. I'm just wondering, is that a sign that Audi are saying goodbye to their five-cylinder eventually? Oh, don't and tell us why, that. And that's why Cupra are getting it? Yeah, oh, maybe, yeah. Sure, the, the, what is the RS uh, EGT I was talking about a few episodes back? That's right, yeah. So that could be the fateful future of the RSs. Hopefully not, hopefully not. Um, yeah, no, that's all the news I have. My last one then is uh, some good news about Mark II Escorts. So I don't think anyone who's a car fan, whether you're into Volkswagens or any particular brand, can turn their nose up at a Mark II Escort or a Mark I. So Absolutely not. A crowd in Wales called MST have started remaking them from the ground up. So these are brand new cars. The spec on them is absolutely ridiculous. I've seen this on uh, Johnny Smith's YouTube channel, and basically they're, they've remade all the panels. Now, there was a crowd in Northern Ireland who had shipped... I believe the story was they shipped a couple of escorts across to China, had them picked apart, replicated all the parts, and they were selling them as full shells. These guys are claiming that their steel panels are actually manufactured in Britain, and then they assemble them themselves from jigs. Starting price for like on the road road spec interior is sixty nine grand. Uh, fast road setup, which is a light strip out and a cage, is seventy nine. Group 4 rally spec is 89 and ultra rally spec is £98,000 starting. So they are not cheap, but they are absolutely ridiculous. It's the kind of thing you're looking at it now. These come 
totally everything's brand new they're registered as a new car so in the video you're seeing a mark t escort with like a 70 series number plate which is like brand new so that's kind of odd to see but they're coming with options for like a 2.5 duratec on throttle bodies uh right up to 300 horsepower millington engine i was watching the video it's late break show johnny smith's uh, it is YouTube indeed, channel, yeah. He was what he's a escort fanboy. He actually has one and he's rebuilding. Um, he's a Mark One guy, isn't he? Yeah, he was walking around it just completely drooling, and then he took it out in the drive. And it uh, just you're talking about their brand new car. How do they get around regulations of that? I I looked into this before when about IVA. So IVA is like for single vehicle builds, like stuff that we would do. So it's a Q car then, or what? No, these guys are can build them as a proper manufacturer but like what they refer to as a low volume manufacturer so they don't have to go through crash testing restrictions the way but they do have to meet like basically do an IVA so they have like the proper spec headlights um all their wiring looms are clipped every every I can't remember exactly what the measurement is and the same with brake lines fuel lines the only thing it's really avoiding is the crash testing uh and your glass would be different spec as well but that's sort of getting a bit nerdy but yeah, they are a brand new car. They come with like a brand new chassis number on them and a proper number plate. That's cool. Yeah, so I, I think it's awesome. It is priced well out of the average person's range, but then you're looking at that, comparing that to maybe like a Porsche Cayman or even a high-end Caterham. And like there's not a massive amount of difference between one of those and a Caterham. They're essentially both a kit car. So I, I see there is a market for it. The other good thing about it is this trickles down into the aftermarket. They will sell every individual component for the shell so if you were restoring an escort you can now go and get like random chassis braces that are like buried inside layers of steel that you would be remaking so it's great in that regard if they were doing that for volkswagen yeah. stuff i would love it yeah i'd be all over that i think it's only a matter of time but for uh there is somebody making mark one surely in germany or somewhere yeah it would be nice it would be absolutely amazing it was cool seeing johnny smith as well he walked around one that was like sort of three quarters built on the jig and you're just looking at this thing, brand new, no paint, it's immaculate, like no patches welded in or anything. And I was like, yeah, that that's the dream. That's so cool. And they'll actually sell you a burr shell assembled for 15 grand, which when you think about it. See, that's 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 a way in, like, you know. Yeah, yeah. It, like you, you think of the price of a Mark II Escort to buy something that's absolutely rotten. Then you buy all your repair panels and pay someone yeah, to weld yeah. them in. It's you're not going to be far off that to do a proper job. I'll say the bare shell thing will sell well. Yeah, I imagine so. They'll be ringered. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, another wee observation just from that video as well. Um, Johnny Smith is wearing a a roll hard hoodie as well, which is pretty cool. So uh, sort of, yes, kind of reminds you that Johnny is not your average like just kind of boring automotive journalist and is actually one of us. He's a car guy. Yeah. So yeah, that's me for the news. Okay, Nigel, do you want to kick us off with YouTube? Yeah, just rolling on from your news on the Johnny Smith thing with the Escort, that led me down a, another sort of a YouTube hole. And it was actually a guy, Russell Ford, we actually met him on our trip to Autosport International three years ago. A guy that done, if you look it up, uh, he's a jeweler from London and he done a full replica miniature um, Mark One Escort made of silver and gold and diamond. And he's just Escort obsessed, so he is. And there's a 20 minute video with, with Johnny Smith on it, and he shows him around his collection. And your fella Russell, when we spoke to him, he's 100% has plenty of time for you and all the rest of it, but his passion for the escorts and just his collection. It's a 20 minute video. If you're looking for something to watch, I'd advise you to watch that. And 
catch up on all the previous episodes of the Late Break Show as well, because he done a Chris Harris two-part interview as well. I kind of came across that video randomly and didn't realise that Johnny Smith did that show, and it's really good. It's yeah. It's not like the typical YouTuber in your face shouting at you, you know, clickbait type stuff. It's proper automotive journalism, and I I do like Johnny Smith. He's quite cool. Give it a check out, yeah. My first one then comes from a listener recommendation, Adam Buchanan, and it is for a channel called Robot Cantina. This is a this guy is in the states and he takes a Honda Insight, which is a one liter hybrid Honda from the early two thousands. I want to say kind of an odd looking thing would put you in mind of a kind of like a coupe, like fastback type setup. But he has removed the engine and he has fitted a two hundred and twelve cc lawnmower engine. And his goal is to get it to do over 50 miles an hour. <laughs> so Fantastic idea. Yeah, it's it's quite a good channel. There's no flash. There's He talks you through how he does everything. I rinsed about eight episodes in the first day that Adam sent me it. And it's just, it's quite funny. So he starts off, I don't want to spoil it for too many people, but he starts off like on a road circuit near his house and he records the data for like top speed and acceleration with a standard lawnmower engine. And then he does a bit of light tuning to it. And then he strips it down and does like a billet flywheel and um, like an operated crank and piston and rods. And then he goes to town on it and he puts a big block swap into it, which is a 420cc engine. It's fun. If it, they're quite short videos. They're like 10 minutes and you get a good laugh out of it. So yeah, check those out. My other one then is from a local guy, Ross McCauley from Roland Deep Crew. And he has released his shoot from Titanic Dubs 2020. So that was obviously our show, the closer to last year. When I say the closer, it was probably like one of the it only was the shows. Only one. <laughs> um, but yeah, great video. Nice to see a few of the cars again. I think we spotted ourselves in it a few times, and it's just nice knowing that things are going to open up again. Hopefully this summer, and we can do something again. Just a bit of a reminder to that. Good chilled out vibe video. Yep. Um, he started. He started doing YouTube content quite regularly now. He's not started vlogging. He got a chaser or a Jay-Z. If yes. I, I'm up something. I think I've seen that on his Instagram. My, my job knowledge has just been exposed. <laughs> <laughs> the lack of. Yep. Yeah, so check him out too then. That's Roland Deep Crew. So we'll kick off with our main topic for this episode then. As I said at the start, we're talking our favourite cars and car films. And you have to remember, this will probably be controversial, but it is our favourites, so before you message us all the abuse, which we will get... Back off, just yep, back off. Just back off, man. <laughs> Don't at me. So, yeah, <laughs> this is uh, this was very difficult to do, and I'm sure it was the same for you guys too. Like, how do you narrow down... It was so hard, and even, like, all day I've been thinking, like, we picked five each, and then I was like, all day I've been like, oh, maybe I should have picked this one instead, and I've been like chopping and changing them in my head and I'm like oh I could have picked this and oh I don't know we were doing the news section there and I was thinking I should have changed this one so there you go (laughs) (laughs) but yeah we're talking uh, films the cars, the weird and wonderful facts so let's go folks I'm going to kick us off with a a sound clip for my first pick does it come in black? so it's the Tumblr from the Dark Knight trilogy Yeah, one of my favourite film trilogies other than Star Wars and Lord of the Rings. Yeah, the Batman trilogy is just awesome. So, might be stretching the definition of a car slightly. <laughs> and a car film. No, but yes, but it's a, it's a car from a film or a car film. Well, that was the, the, that brief. was the, the brief. Yeah, I couldn't do a list of my favourite cars without 
including this one. I think I've actually talked about it on the podcast before. So Christopher Nolan's thought process was to make the most distinctive thing about Batman first. This was his thought. Uh, before the costume, before any of the gadgets, it had to be the Batmobile. Yeah. So the Batmobile has been in a long line of uh, Batman comics, car films. It started off as a little red roadster sports car back in the 30s before it was even called the Batmobile. He had this little red car. The Bat car. <laughs> Probably the Bat car. And since then, the cars have gone more and more unique and more functional and they have the Adam West iconic Batmobile and the Val Kilmer one that could drive up a wall and Tim Burton's one with the big bat wings and stuff but to me the tumbler is is the one. It's the most evil looking one. Yeah there was a British engineer or design engineer and his team who who built it in conjunction with Christopher Nolan uh, he wanted an actual working car on the set so that they could do the stunts, drive it around and uh, not have to do any CGI or anything. So there were seven cars, seven of these tumblers built, a couple of which were proper driving cars, um, which had 500 horsepower, 5.7 litre V8s that could do up to 100 miles an hour. Lots of freedom. Imagine getting to drive that thing. <laughs> <laughs> so it uh, was... As I said, it was capable of speeds over 100 miles an hour and weaving through traffic as much as a 9 foot 4 inch wide car can weave through traffic. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's no sports <laughs> bike. Uh, they could drive it off rooftops. They could do jumps with it. Um, one of them had actual working afterburners on it, which was actually the propane burners from a hot air balloon. Ah, right, cool. So when it jumps into the Batcave... Yeah, so what you you're seeing is jets, actual... like. They've actually did it as opposed it's to CGI. It's all in-camera stunts, yeah. That's why that series is so good, though. It's also why they'll stand the test of time. When you do real-world, real-life in-camera stuff like that, you know, it doesn't age with CGI, because it's not. Yeah. It's real stuff. Um, Some of the other cars, there was a, a small-scale one that they used for filming, but like miniature work, but it wasn't quite that. It was like a fifth scale um, for doing some of the jumps couple of the cars were just purely for interior shots. They had the working hatch lifted up and stuff so that they could shoot inside the car. Um, and then the other, I suppose, really big feature of it is the tyres. Yeah. So on the front, it has uh, Hoosier Dart Oval tyres. They're like, they look a bit like F1 tyres or like racing tyres. And then on the back, there's four Interco 44-inch Super Swampers, uh, which <laughs> when they were added to the rear wheels... The, that set weighed almost a ton by themselves. <laughs> the back wheels. The back wheels. Um, and just another interesting note, in 2005, a NASCAR race was sponsored. Uh, the Batman Begins 500 took place <laughs> on Father's Day weekend. And the uh, the tumbler was the pace car at the start of the race. The actual ones in the film. Yeah. That's awesome. That was so good. So I'll give you one more clip to, to sum up one of my favorite movie cars ever. I'll get my car. I brought mine. Yours. I gotta get me one of those. He is in a vehicle. Make it color. It's a black tank. 
<laughs> you can hear the freedom. Yep. Yeah, very good. Thank you. Good good choice, Lee. Good Thank choice. You. Because I'm of a more mature year, my picks would be I just decided to go for old school stuff. These are these are stuff when I was growing up as a young boy, stroke teenager, I was uh, sort of watching and drawn to. Um the first one I'm going to say is it's not a car film, but it's a car from a TV show. <laughs> what a theme tune as well. Yeah, uh, that came on on a Saturday evening and that was just, I was buzzing when I heard that coming on. It was like the A-team tune coming on. Um <laughs> So, yeah, Knight Rider, you basically have the Hoff, uh, David Hasselhoff, as Michael Knight. He basically works for a company called Knight Industries. And, yeah, he was shot in the face, so he fights for justice um, through the Knight Foundation, their billion-pound company. And, yeah, so Michael goes around fighting for justice in his 1982 Pontiac Trans Am Firebird in black. The series ran from 82 to, I think, 86. But uh, no, the star of the show wasn't the Hoff, it was Kit, the car. So full artificial artificial intelligence car. He was called Kit because Kit, K-I-T-T, stood for Night Industries 2000. It was just, it took you to the fair as a young boy watching this. You're just, wow. Think of a Bond car and multiply it by 100. It had more. It had just everything going. I've got a list of stuff that it had and I think I've left loads out. But... (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> yeah, uh, apparently it came with a Knights Industry turbojet with afterburners, not the 60 time of two seconds, quarter mile of 4.4, and a braking distance from 60 mile an hour of 12 foot, so check that out. Seriously impressive. It's not unbelievable at all. No. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so the first thing that sort of caught your eye as a young child was the steering wheel. It wasn't a full steering wheel, it was like a... It's like a fighter jet, uh, sort of half wheel thing. Uh-huh. What you describe like, like as the Tesla? Like an, I was going to say like a <laughs> yeah. Tesla. Uh, Tesla wheel. It was a Tesla wheel. So Elon must have been watching Night Rider as a child. It wouldn't shock me. Yeah. So yeah, Kit Kit could talk. He was an onboard computer. He was. Uh, he guided Michael through his adventures. It had a full armor coating. It had turbo boost, rear mounted rockets for super. Pers- Pursuit mode could do 200 miles an hour. It had radar jamming, radar jamming, X-ray, audio special devices, visual tracking. It had a parachute, a grappling hook, uh, oil slick, flamethrower, tear gas, rocket, infrared, medical scanners, and the best thing of all was an ejection seat. So, uh, yeah, it it was a cool car growing up. I really loved it. Ejecto seato, cuz. We need a high five for that one. That was scary how you stood that. <laughs> we are morphing into the one person. We are essentially the same person. The Borg, is that what you are? Yes, for yeah, Star Trek. Yeah. <laughs> it's communism in this house. Uh, no, I love the I love Knight Rider series growing up, but it's like everything you watch from years ago, you watch it again, you go, uh, yeah. It was very right. up its day. <laughs> Did- yeah, classic 80s TV. Do you remember a TV show called Boy Meets World? I do indeed. Do you remember his uh, his school principal lived next door to him? Yes. That's who voiced Kit in that series? Yeah, he was also in Scrubs. That's right, uh, yeah. What do you call him? I can't remember the guy's name. The oh, older man with the moustache. Yeah, he's fantastic. Yeah. And the voice, yeah, the, the, 
the Hello, kit in the car had a sense of humour and all like so it made it entertaining. No, yeah, it was very good. So that's one of my choices anyway. My first one is a film which was loosely based and I say loosely, thankfully, on a computer game series. Most things based, most films based on a computer game series never go down very well. Doom, as an example. Doom, yeah. Um, <laughs> Prince of Persia. No. Oh dear. Yeah. Yep. So this made the list as a modern day classic in my eyes, and it's pretty much a standard car guy film. Big power, high speed, helicopter chases, and a lot of cheese. And it is 2014's <laughs> Need for Speed. Yes. So brilliant. Have you guys seen this? Yeah. Yeah. So. The number one reason this made my list is because it gets something so right that car films really, really lack, and it's the car sounds. So yeah, the cars in the film were all kick cars and replicas because everything in the film is like high end, super expensive. You have the uh, Agara R's, and it's just ridiculous things. So we're obviously not going to do stunts with them because it's obviously a fortune. The Mustang, what's very impressive and the most impressive offer for me is because. To get the sounds for those cars, they obviously went and found the cars and did them properly. But the Mustang itself, the guys went to a Cars and Coffee Meet in California and walked around just listening to people like driving around, revving. And they heard this supercharged Mustang and went, that's our hero car. So some guy obviously was just at Cars and Coffee and got picked and his car's in a film for the sound. So they took him out to the desert and done runs. And recording the sound of a car is so, so difficult because... You think if you have a drive-by, you're getting like induction noise at the start and then exhaust as you go past. Inside, you're getting a mixture of exhaust, induction, rattles, everything. Road noise, tires, wind noise. You have microphones all over it. So it's mic'd up like a drum kit, essentially. Another great thing about this is that there's basically no CGI in this film. Again, much like the classics, you know, it was before CGI. The classics weren't doing this. So everything was all stunts and stuntmen. And this is essentially what makes this film so great as well i really like it it's kind of cheesy most car films are it was on my short list and i'm glad i didn't pick it because i yeah it's it's on mine yeah um but yeah no i like it it's probably one that it doesn't do well in the ratings with your standard like film like rotten tomatoes and things like that but no i like it. it's up there for me i'll go next good pick i'll give you another clip to introduce this next one If you have not seen the film or you don't know what that piece of music is, did you have a childhood? Correct. Probably not. <laughs> yeah, do you know when I most seen that f- film? Was it Christmas? It always got played at Christmas, that series of films. Well, the first time I saw The Love Bug uh, was on VHS. We used to go to the local video shop on a Saturday morning and we got to pick a film. And then sometimes when we couldn't pick or my dad refused to re- rent uh, Return of Jafar for the thousandth time he would pick one for us <laughs> yes one of my favourite Disney films by the way um, and he picked this for us one day because he was like you should see this you'll like it and sure enough we did <laughs> because what a film Herbie the little Volkswagen bug with the number 53 anthropomorphized cars he had a mind of his own his own character he was he could almost talk but not quite but you knew without dialogue exactly what he was saying saying. he's super sassy he's so sassy (laughs) (laughs) he has sass he was a bit of a matchmaker too wasn't he he was was, yeah but i think this is possibly what kicked off my still at the age of 
30 whatever I am now um, where I still think that cars have feelings cars have personalities cars you have know, names all my cars have names apart from the superb which is the Sepoy but I'm trying <laughs> not to get too attached to it but yeah I, I think that's kind of where it all comes from the bit where the racing driver in the film Jim like slags him off and buys a Lamborghini and then he runs away and tries to jump off the Golden Gate Bridge is like heartbreaking <laughs> yeah like a car trying to commit suicide a little bit dark for a kid's film but hey, it's the 60s and 70s it's what can you say uh, it's 60s and 70s Disney <laughs> they're very dark <laughs> they're dark but it's it's again the thing we've been talking about the last couple of things is everything's real all the stunts were for real. There was no such thing as CGI in 1968 or whatever. So they had to do all the stuff. The car breaking in half and all that was all done. The closest thing to CGI in those days was like the green screen behind them as they drove. You know, the head-on shot. Yeah. yeah. And you're turning the steering wheel like about a quarter turn, just driving straight. <laughs> and yeah, you mean, okay, there's uh there's a little bit of casual racism going on because it's Disney in the 60s. So there's a little bit of you know, slight non-politically correct The things. Chinese get a touch. The Chinese folk, for example. But it's brilliant. Whether you're young or old, it's a great film. Highly recommend. Completely and agree. All the Herbie films, to be fair, I haven't seen the Lindsay Lohan one. Don't I, know if I want I, to. Avoid them. I avoid have. them. You can watch them on mute, it's fine. <laughs> <laughs> but... Um, definitely The Love Bug, the original. Absolutely. Um, a couple just interesting... Have a they have a real warm feeling to them. Yeah, they're great. They're Sunday afternoon hangover films. Yeah. Like, just the cha- feel the channel, good. Channel, channel 5 Sunday afternoon film, it's great. Watch with your kids, watch on your own, whatever. It's all good. A couple of interesting facts I picked up on this was um, normally that the interior would, because obviously Herbie was white, would have been white, but they painted the whole interior grey and yet actually notice it when they opened the doors and stuff so that it wouldn't reflect the studio lights when they were doing the in-car shots. Ah, yeah. Uh, but it actually looks quite good. And the other thing to note is in the first film, the car's never referred to as a Volkswagen or a Beetle. Uh, it's either called the Bug or the the most common thing that they call it is the Little Car. Because Volkswagen didn't want to have anything to do with it and they wouldn't give them permission to use the name. Didn't want to be associated with the didn't. racism. <laughs> but then for all the subsequent films, it was a Volkswagen. But for the first one, because they weren't sure if it was going to be a hit or not, and yeah, they didn't want to be associated with it. So it's not a Volkswagen in the first one. It's just Herbie, uh, the little sh- car. <laughs> that shows you how old that film is, because now car manufacturers jump to be in films. Yeah, they're like yeah, absolutely. They're like the likes of Transformers. They're paying to be in it. Yeah. And the Bond, the Bond films, the money that uh, Aston. Aston Martin f- fired into it. And I think... And Ford, was the one I where he, I Ford, they had the, it was the one where the hotel goes on fire in the desert. Um, that was a hydrogen cell they were promoting in the Fords in that one. All right. Did it go on fire? Oh. That'd be <laughs> probably a good promotion did. That's probably what, that probably, that probably what caused the fire in the hotel. <laughs> Very nice. Thanks, Lee. Do you want to go again, Nigel? Yep. Yeah. If you want to play that second clip I sent you then. My calculations are correct. When this baby hits 88 miles per hour... You're going to see some serious shit. Yes. Great Scott is all I can say. <laughs> absolutely. Absolutely. Run, Marty, run. Yeah, so we're we're talking about Back to the Future and, of course, the DeLorean. Uh, quick shout back to episode eight if you want to listen to the story of DeLorean. So, yeah, Back to the Future, Michael J. Fox and 
he was the star of the show, and it was basically about time travel. Uh, 80s cool film with a DeLorean. What more could you want? I remember uh, I didn't see it in the cinema when I was young. Uh, it came on BBC One on Christmas Day. I think it was 1987. I think it came out in 85, the film. And 87 came on Christmas Day. And this was the best Christmas present Santa could ever have brought. was Back <laughs> to the Future. Back to the Future was on BBC. That's for the days of On Demand, Netflix, Sky, whatever you want to call it. So, yeah, that made my Christmas. So, basically, Marty McFly uh, has a friend called Dr. Emmett Brown. And he's a mad scientist who's in the time travel and researching it. And he basically fits a time machine and a DeLorean. Um, as Lee said earlier on, if you haven't watched uh, Herbie, Herbie or The Love Bug, are you into cars sort of thing? If you haven't watched Back to the Future, are you into cars? What I'm going to say. Yeah, no, um, you're definitely yeah. right. Uh, fun fact, originally, before it was brought to film, the time travel machine was going to be a fridge instead of a DeLorean. <laughs> it wouldn't really have the same ring to it. Like, what, yeah. it, wouldn't, it wouldn't be as good. So I think a script had that on And then Spielberg, I think, was behind Back to the Future, wasn't he? I can't remember. I can't mind. Uh, but uh, they also... Robert Zemeckis. Is that who it is? Yeah. Spielberg right. could have been involved. He quite often is. Maybe a producer or something. Yeah. There was also talk of the Ford Mustang being the car, but the, the director says no. We'll have to have something special. So they went for the DeLorean, and uh, that's what they got. So... Yeah, the DeLorean used was cool. It was uh, just... The DeLorean at the time was like nothing else that was on the market. The wing doors and the stainless steel uh, panels. The car was an absolute turd, but it was cool. Yeah, you're lucky um, to get a hit mile on one of them. <laughs> well, I, th- I think somebody said that the car speed on these only goes up to 85 miles an hour. <laughs> I wouldn't be shocked. <laughs> so that's why on the film it goes to a digital readout on... Doc's thing and in the car a digital readout. Ah, uh, yes. So you're not actually seeing a DeLorean speedo. Yeah, <laughs> yeah that, that's probably why. Yeah, so the car itself was cool. It had all sorts of uh, cables and tubes around the outskirts and then like rockets in the back. It uh, had the f- famous flux capacitor. That was the mechanism to uh, uh, make it go back in time, but it was powered. It needed serious power. It was powered by uranium, 2- I think, was it? Yeah, 1.21 yeah. gigawatts, and they stole, in the film, he stole it off Libyan terrorists or something. That's right, yeah. yeah. <laughs> it was uranium or plutonium or something. Um, it was the equivalent of 15 jet engines, that power, or 1.6 million brake horsepower. Uh, not too in bad. The da- yeah, in the dash, in, inside the car then, you had uh, all sorts of things glowing and all the rest of it, a Tesla coil, time circuits, which glowed the time you're in, the time you've been to and the time you want to go to. It had license plate out of time. Yeah, the sound in the film was actually not a V6, the Renault V6, may I say, but the sounds of the car were actually from a Porsche V8, and you'll like this, a Star Wars landspeeder. Ah, ah, yes. Didn't know that. I take it the Porsche yeah. V8 was the, like the 928, was it? Ah, it would have been, yeah. Aye, very like, good. I think I was the I only V8 that. that brought in the older V8s. Um, producing in the film, there's only three cars used. So you had your main A car, your B, which was your stunt car, and C, which was your interior shots car. So they only had three cars on the set. That's impressive when you consider like a lot of the main cars have maybe seven or eight, even as you said, Lee, in the early ones there. Yeah. 
just takes a stump man to put a wrong move and it's destroyed. But that's definitely one of my favourite uh, films, without a doubt, it was Back to the Future of the DeLorean. That was actually my grandmother's favourite film series of all time. It was, and she Brilliant. every time it was on, I would sit down and watch it with her. It was great. Out of them all, I think Back to the Future 2 was my favourite. Yeah, I would say you're right. you only seen those recently, Lee, in this last few years, didn't yeah, you? Yeah, I didn't watch them as a kid. I, I don't know how I missed them, but I just never did. They're so good. Yeah. But I have watched the, them numerous times since. <laughs> and then there was the big Toyota Hilux or something at the oh, end. Remember he, he comes back? The black the Hilux one, one. It's it? lovely. Yeah, it's so yeah. cool. Yeah, Back to the Future, DeLorean. Brilliant big choice. Thumbs up. Yep. Big thumbs up from me. I think it's a three thumbs up there. <laughs> My second choice then has, again, high speed chases, cop cars getting destroyed, threat of danger, camaraderie, and a wide variety of cars, and it's 2000s gone in 60 seconds. Oh, good choice. Yeah. So, this is peak Nicolas Cage. He's so good. <laughs> <laughs> He's so bad. He's so good. Um, Nicolas Cage, Angelina Jolie, Vinnie Jones, Vic Rames. The castness is so good. Mental. Yeah. But on top of that, the sheer number and variety of cars. It is pure car porn, that film. It, yeah. it really is. Was it before Fast and Furious or just after? Fast and Furious was 2001, I want to say. You have the XJ220, Dodds, Viper, Gullwing, Mercs, Toyota Supras, just something for everyone. They've even got like dated what would have been modern cars at the time. So like a 2000s Jeep Yukon was this luxury Peak, vehicle. Yeah. <laughs> now you're looking back going, why is that in this? Why would you steal one of those? <laughs> um, I, I found myself very torn watching this film, although I really enjoyed it. It was like, they're cool cars, but they're stealing them. Why are they stealing them? I know, it, it goes against everything you, you stand for. But they're stealing, they're nice guys stealing them. It's okay. Yeah, it's not schmicks. It's, it's not schmicks from the West. They're not joyriders. They're boosters. So, uh, Hi, they're boosters. What, what's the one car that's iconic with this film? Like everyone associates with it. Eleanor. Yep. Without a doubt. It's the 67 Shelby GT500 Mustang, also known as Eleanor, as you say, Lee. Which is copyrighted. It is indeed, as a famous YouTuber found out there recently when it got confiscated yeah. on him. But yeah, that was a bit of a shock. <laughs> ironically, this wasn't the original hero car for the film. What they were wanting originally was a Ford GT40. But the problem was to make 12 of them for the film between hero car, to stunt crash, car, yeah. interior shots. They had to do ground up builds from like literally make the chassis and build them up. So it was easier to buy 12 base spec Mustangs and body kit them up to look like 500 or GT 500s. So that's, so it's funny that the car that everybody covets from this film was like the second pick kind of thing. Another my favorite car from the film is. What's it? Corvette Stingray. Oh yeah. I love those. Mine's the XJ220. (laughs) Um, There's a scene as well. Vinnie Jones is in the underground car park. They're stealing a Hummer two door pickup truck and they're coming down and the cop car tries to cut him off and the, th- the original part of the scene was Vinnie Jones was supposed to drive around the cop car and he made a mistake and dozed it out of the way and pushed <laughs> the car yeah he pushed the car and the stuntman over the edge of the thing and dropped them down so what you see in the film wasn't supposed to happen and actually they just kept it in there holy fuck <laughs> um, another fact then there's a famous line right at the very end where the antagonist Raymond Cleetry says I asked for 50 cars, not 49 and a half. And he got 50 cars because if you compare the lists, you have the chalkboard list in the film. You have a paper list that they're running around with. And then when you buy the DVD, it actually has a list in the back of the the cover. Mm -hmm. And somewhere along the line, they messed up. 
and there's actually 51 cars listed between the three lists. <laughs> so, yes, while he did arrive in half of a Mustang, he got his 50 cars. So, slop so it up, 51 you. got 51 and a half. Or 50 did. and a half. 50 and a half. <laughs> so, slop it up, you, you smarmy English git. <laughs> you leave Nicholas Cage alone. He's a little tired and a little wired. But it is. It's such a good film. I love it. It's so cheesy. I can just watch it all the time. So, that's my second yeah. pick. Love that was it. a very close call call for me to pick that one, actually. There's so many close calls. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> the next one on my list, which is odd for me, if anybody knows me, they'll know not a Beatle fan, necessarily, though I love Herbie. Yep. This one's a Beatle as well, or at least it started off as a Beatle. Oh, I know. <laughs> is of course Bumblebee from the Transformers. This goes back a bit further than the films for you, doesn't it? Wee bit. So B started off as a little yellow beetle. Um he's also had several other alternate modes in some of the Japanese comics. Uh he was a Suzuki Swift, for example. But Suzuki probably Swift? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and uh an AMC pacer at one time or another when in a when they went back, it travelled back in time to the 70s. Yes, another odd choice, but suppose a Beatles a bit odd too. Um, but probably the most well-known now uh, of his forms is the Chevy Camaro from the 2007 Michael Bay remake of Transformers. So Chevy had actually stopped producing the Camaro in 2002. Michael Bay decided that he wanted the Bumblebee to be a Camaro now rather than a Beetle because there was already a, an iconic Beetle in the film world that we <laughs> talked about earlier on. But Chevy then decided to use the, the product placement opportunity to relaunch the brand. So in the film he starts off as an old beat up 76 Camaro before he That's modernizes right, yeah. himself. But actually the fifth generation Camaro at that time was a concept car. You couldn't buy it until 2009. Ah, right. So Bay had quite a close relationship with GM and he was able to talk them into letting him use a concept version of the car as the as the Bumblebee car. So they used body panels from the moulds of the concept and uh, outfitted them onto a Holden Monaro to make the car that was seen <laughs> in the films. That's mad. And it, obviously, like you wouldn't tell looking at the films either. Like. Um, no. Then over the f- next years of the relaunch, Chevy sold 140,000 Camaros and saw a 10% spike in the yellow model. I wonder why. Obviously thanks to our friend Bumblebee. In the subsequent films then the, the sequels, B was updated each time to be the most current version of the, the new Camaro and each film became more and more a GM commercial, basically. Yeah. With uh, other hero cars from the GM lineup, including Corvette Stingrays, GMC pickups, Silverados, all kinds of things. I think, um, oh, what do you call him? Sergeant at Arms. He's a big pickup in it. He's one of the GMC pickups. Oh, the young, the young guy? Ironhide. Yeah. It's, uh, it's, it's one of those films I loved the first. The first one Michael was great. Bay. When it first came out, it was amazing. Just awesome. And then it became Michael Bay. Oh yeah, for sure. <laughs> but B still. Yeah, it's cool. so cool. And then in the the most recent film, the Bumblebee film, he's yeah. back to Beetle. Yeah, yeah. He's back with John Cena, who you can't see. 
invisible invisible man well it was all b's thing was always like he was one of the smallest transformers it was always about him pushing his limits for his small size but still being the hero and that as was in why the cartoons. he was a beetle yeah but uh he was cool as camaro too yep we can give him that <laughs> good choice my third one is the original mad max trilogy basically yes um, I like so it. yes indeed Brought out, brought out in 1979, it became one of Australia's biggest films for decades. Basically, an apocalyptic car film set in dystopian future. Made in 1979, so there was a big oil crisis in 1973 in Australia. So the plot of it basically played on that and what would happen when oil had depleted and the world was basically plunged into sort of economic chaos, um, law and disorder. Sounds familiar. Followed. Yeah, it's basically like <laughs> Bel- it's basically like Belfast the week in July. No, we would so, we uh, farewell. <laughs> yeah, so uh, it's the first one is the start of the series of uh, the original three. It's Mel Gibson. He's a cop, sort of trying to keep some order, and he he starts off in a yellow and red um, V eight of some description. I don't even know what it is, and then they keep him on the force because he was going to leave because it was getting that dangerous with his family and stuff like that. There, they put him into. A Ford Falcon X8 GT, I think it's called, a 1974 one, but that was heavily modified, dual overhead cam, a big massive blower on the top, a 600 brake, and then it had a button on it and the gear stick for engaging the supercharger on it. Um, yeah, it's always a bone of contention with car guys, you can turn the supercharger on and off. Really gritty, sort of properly shot stunts and all the rest of it. The acting's all right. Gets better in the second and third one. The second one is called Road Warrior. It's, um, I think it's really going into the sort of dystopian days then when oil has run out, and I think it's based around a oil tank or an oil compound. And then Beyond the Thunderdome number three, it's with Tina Turner, and it's after a nuclear bomb or the nuclear strike has happened, stuff like that there. But uh, no, highly recommend watching that. There's lots of V8s. Um, sort of custom cars and weird looking machines made out of spares of cars um in the future sort of thing yeah it's like it's the custom car scene like when you don't have anything you know it's the end yeah. of days kind of thing um they're they're built for function to kill people and defend themselves rather than speed or anything and you get some crazy looking cars out of it and uh yeah it's the first one they're quite sort of gory in places the films but I, I i used to love watching them they're a great great trilogy of films have you seen the new one yeah i didn't think it was too bad to be honest with you i haven't seen it but i've heard it's supposed to be quite good yeah i quite like to watch it it's uh ed hardy isn't it tom hardy sorry not tom ed hardy, hardy. Ah, yes the new one charlie's theron she in as well yeah yeah tom hardy grunts in it he barely says a word like he it's doesn't very have a lot of films. <laughs> look at him as being in batman <laughs> But no, that I th- as far as I understand, that was Mel Gibson's big break when he done that. There, it was a it was a real low budget film. I think it was back then. It was three hundred thousand dollars. I suppose that was big money back then, but not in the grand scale of things. Big money. Yeah, when you consider the other stuff that was being made, would have been probably in the millions. Yeah. Um. So, the films themselves just loads and loads of car chases. So, with cool V eight. So, what more do you need? No, you don't need anything else. Yeah. A lot, of, a lot, a lot of bike action as well. If you like bikes, so. There you go. It actually spawned a kind of subculture in motorcycles as well with like the rat scene. So yeah. you have a lot of that, like guys are building bikes now that look like that kind of style that you know, you could survive in the desert with no oil. Yeah, it's one of my f- favourite films. I think I sort of, it came, it came 
in the Maya tents and basically back in the days when you had to go to your local video VHS rental shop and my dad brought it home one night and we watched it and I was just like, wow, this is cool. Just glued to it. <laughs> yeah. Just, uh, around the time I would think there was much like it. It was like, you know, there was no sort of films like that at the time. I would say you're right, yeah. And then the fact that we don't get V8s and things here, especially way back yeah. then, is that kind yeah. of specialty, you know, where the, like the Americans and the Australians, like the V8s are kind of everywhere where it's not a thing for us. So it, it's kind of anything with V8 for us is pretty cool. So highly recommend Mac, Mad Max, the originals, the originals. My third one then is not your normal car film. It hasn't got the uh, a lot of the things that was mentioned before, but it does have two men kissing, cougars in a car, and a drunken absentee father. Oh, I know what it is. And it is 2006's Talladega Nights. Yes. <laughs> I love it. Say it one more time. Shake it back! <laughs> does that feel good? Yeah, it rhymes. They're both verbs. Awesome. So good. I love this film. More so because it's a good comedy. It it's just so happens. What do I do with my hands? What do I do with my hands? <laughs> the invisible <So> fire. <laughs> it follows the career of uh, rookie NASCAR driver, Ricky Bobby, played by no other than Will Ferrell. It's a great cast in this as well, uh, but it just it spawns so many good scenes and so many quotes. As you guys have said, the invisible fire, as I live my life by, if you're in first, you're last. <laughs> Shake and bake. And don't you put that evil on me, Ricky Bobby. <laughs> <laughs> and a personal favourite, Sasha Baron Cohen, Ricky Bobby. Ricky Bobby. <laughs> <laughs> he sounds in pain when he says his name in the French accent. <laughs> um, I, I think I think his co-star, uh, what do you call him? John, John C. Riley. Uh, John John Riley. Yeah, he he's as good as uh, Ferrell's in it. Like. He is. Yeah, and that was the first film they worked on together, and had wanted to work on Anchorman together, only for the fact that John C. Riley was working on something else. So. I was reading a bit about it and he says that he was looking at NASCAR drivers and trying to base his image of what Carl Norton would look like. And he was looking at modern drivers and everyone was kind of like clean cut. And he started going back to like the 60s drivers and like they were kind of like a bit overweight, big mutton chop sideburns and the moustache and the curly hair. And that's the kind of look he went for and he pulls it off so well. Yeah. So you have like beer, friendship, fast cars, making fun of the French. What more could you Mountain want Lions. in a film? Mountain Lions. <laughs> um, NASCAR actually had a big involvement in it, which I was shocked to see as well. So they they kind of guided the film for like the factual side of it and provided a lot they of... Did, the, they didn't mind getting the piss taken out of them? No, definitely not. And they provided a lot of the jokes as well. So they kind of rewrote a lot of the jokes to be more car guy, that kind of thing. They actually took Will Ferrell, John C. Reilly and Sasha Baron Cohen to a NASCAR event at the Lowe's Motor Speedway in North Carolina and introduced them all in character. Quite typical of that region and of, well, more so of that sport back then. The uh, Sasha Baron Cohen's gay French character got booed by 200,000 people. (laughs) 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 The NASCAR fans did not like that. (laughs) But yeah, it's a great comedy. It's just so good. It's so silly in places, but it's heart-wrenching as well. You just, you want them to win. That's so good. So yeah, check out uh, Talladega Nights. Okay, am I back up again? Yep. Okay, I'm yep. going to give you another clip for this one. Uh, Doc, I mean, is he uh, retarded? Retarded means slow. Was he slow? No. And you don't sound retarded to me. <laughs> so next up for me, this is a definitely a car film. Baby Driver. This was on my shortlist. <laughs> 
So Baby is the nearly silent getaway driver for a, a criminal gang led by Kevin Spacey, basically. Um, he owes them, he owes him a debt for getting entangled in some robbery at some point in the past. In fairness, the plot's really not that important, really. It's just before Kevin Spacey got Me too as well. Yeah, pretty much. Good um, <laughs> But basically, Kevin Spacey's character, Doc, organises the crime, hires three criminals to go and rob a bank or pull off whatever heist they're doing, and then he puts them in Baby's car, and Baby can drive. The problem is he needs music to drive. So, uh, the backstory is, as a, as a child, he was in an accident and he has terrible tinnitus. So he always has music on his, in his ear pods to, to drown it out. And the whole movie is based around the music. Basically, the whole thing is set to the music. All the action sequences, the car chases, every beat basically goes to the music that's playing at the time. But it's not a musical. But it's not a musical. It's It's just a great film. It's... I think it's very different to anything else that's out there, the way it combines the music. The stunt driving too. And the, the driving and the car chase scenes and stuff in it are just brilliant. The the, fir- the whole first sequence is about six minutes at the start where he's driving the red Subaru. Yeah. And it's just class. It's so well done. It's a brilliant cast. Jamie Foxx. Um, Legend. The Punisher, whose name escapes me at the moment. Tom Bretnell. Um, there's... So many little Easter eggs and nods and throwbacks to other car films and musical, you know, nerdy things that only certain people will get. And there's a cameos from all sorts of music people just wandering around in the background. And yeah, it, it's excellent. And the music is, it's good. They're brilliant songs, but they're not the obvious hits. You know what I mean? They're not like the. They're catchy. They're catchy. They're, you know, but like. There's Queen on the soundtrack, but it's not the big hits. It's like lesser known songs. Yeah. And so it's not really cheesy or obvious. It's not, you know, the final countdown or, you know, it's slightly left field song choices. But yeah, definitely check that one out. No, I like it myself. Have you seen it, Nigel? I am sorry to admit I have never watched that. It's it's good. It is good. I think you'd like it. I wonder if that's Netflix or Amazon. It might be. Jimmy Fox's character and he's yeah. his goal. He's so good. And as much as it pains me to say, Kevin Spacey is fantastic in it too. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> My last one then, not a lot of people maybe will know about this one, but it's basically a film called Taxi. And before you start, no, it's not the 2004 film Taxi with Queen Latifah. It's the actually, actual OG film Taxi. It's the Taxi. one. <laughs> it's a French film, so it has subtitles. So get cultured, folks. It's uh, <laughs> So if do you, do you like body kits? Do you like modified cars? And do you like car chases? This is it. Um, it's basically the premise is there's a taxi driver. He has a 406 and... He, pre- he has a glove box, he drops it down and presses all these buttons and it changes the wheels, puts a body kit on um, and it's like his pursuit mode. But uh, he gets in a bit of trouble with the law and then he's helping them basically catch uh, German bank robbers in Marseille uh, who are running about in some pretty sweet, I think they're 190E mercs, Connor. Yeah, they are. I have the series, um, I have the three films on VHS somewhere yeah. in the house. <laughs> they're, abs- they're brilliant films and... Yeah, I advise you to watch them. They're they're good films. The car chases are just amazing. Yeah, no, they're they're so cool, and it's odd to see like a four hundred six as being like the hero yeah. car. Yeah, that would be it, weird. Did it have did it have TSWM on it? 
I can't remember it, but it did have a snazzy spoiler on it. It either had TSWMs or OZ Superlegeras. And then I think in the later films, didn't they use the facelifted 406 as well? Yep, that's right, yeah. I think I, my brother bought that home one time to the house in VHS or something. I don't know how I got to watch it in the end. Because I don't think it was ever shown on TV. Yeah, I don't think it's one really that would be on TV that often, if at all. Yeah. It's definitely a cult, um, as it's cult status. If you haven't checked out it before, there's three of them, Connor, is there? There is, yeah, three of them. I must confess, yeah. I haven't seen them, so. They're good. Yeah. Definitely going to check those out. Bit of French cars there for the folks. Uh, my fourth one then, um, anyone who knows me, I and Lee too, are big Disney Pixar fans. Mainly because they do everything so well. Great storylines, great characters and great details. And 2006's Cars is no exception to that. Speed. I am speed. One winner. 42 losers. I eat losers for breakfast. Breakfast. Maybe I should have had breakfast. So the film follows the rise and fall and rise again of rookie driver Lightning McQueen. And it's based around NASCAR. So many of the race cars are voiced by other racers. There's so many cameos in it. Yeah. From NASCAR drivers, F1 drivers. The announcers are Jeremy announcers Clarkson in is in it. There's yeah. There's cameos by Michael Schumacher. He plays a Ferrari in it. Mario a real Andre- Ferrari. <laughs> <laughs> Mario Andretti, Dale Earnhardt Jr. Uh, Jeremy Clarkson has a voiceover in it too. Um, Richard the King Petty is a famous NASCAR Hall of Famer. He voices Strip the King Weathers, who is a 1970 Plymouth Superbird. He's uh, blue with a huge spoiler, he's so cool. But because he's not so well known outside of America, he was voiced by other famous racers around the world. Nicky Lauda voiced him in the German version, and Ferdinand Alonso voiced him in the Spanish version of it. So I thought that was pretty cool, the way they kind of changed yeah. them. Yeah, adapted. Yeah, Pixar, as I say, do details so well. And Cars 1, Cars 2 is a bit shit. Cars 3 is immense. And Cars 3 is good. Like, the detail, and because it got so big, the people that it drew into it is amazing. And you just need to watch the film and watch for Easter eggs of, like, you know, just car stuff everywhere. It's so, so much, well done. Like, Route 66 stuff, yeah. nods, and, like, even the, the mountains and the canyons are shaped like car hoods, you know, American yeah. cars, and, yeah, it's when, class. When the producers went to NASCAR to watch races and see what was happening and try and get a feel for it. He actually met a few of the fans. Mater, who's the tow truck, who's his friend in it, he's kind of a hillbilly hick type guy, was actually based on a guy that they met. <laughs> and his name, his nickname was Mater, so that's where he come from. Yeah. And he actually didn't voice Mater in the film, but they gave him a like a cameo part of one of the, the trucks driving in it, and he voices it. That's class. And then right down into the Hudson Hornet. And the Hudson Hornet, the story of the Hudson Hornet is actually true. So the the fabulous Hudson Hornets were NASCAR, early NASCARs. Mm-hmm. Going back to the early days when a NASCAR was oval racing on dirt. It's just, it's so cool. And what a, just a wee silly thing for me. It's just so funny. You imagine like, you're this like famous race driver or like rock star and you've like twins come up to you and flashing their boobs at you kind of thing. And in this, <laughs> so in, in this, Lightning McQueen wins his race and two Japanese twins in the form of uh, MX-5s come up and flash their headlights at him. I think, like, <laughs> yeah, that's just something for the adults there. <laughs> but that, that, that that's the brilliant thing about cars and Pixar in general. 
They'll put out a film that there's something for everybody in it. Yeah, and it re- it's not like it's just t- like appeasing adults or whatever. It's like as an adult, you could happily watch it. No issue without yeah. kids. But then we details you're talking about kids might completely see past them, but car guys won't. No. Yet, like, realistically, they're not aimed at car guys. They're aimed at a general population. But, you know, they've went that extra mile to satisfy the car people. Yeah. Attention to the details there to see. Yeah. No, it's, it's what makes it. It's so good. So my last pick was actually cars. Oh, yes. <laughs> so we didn't confer on these beforehand. So I was hoping that we wouldn't overlap. or so. I, but I actually picked a, an honorable mention kind of reserve in case somebody picked the same one. Uh-huh. So I'll go to my number six choice. I'll give you another clip. This is for you. You can come. I'm impressed. A drive. Rule one, never change the deal. The deal was transportation for three men with a combined weight of 254 kilos. Yeah, well, this is a new deal. An extra 80 kilos means we'll not make your destination on the gas I have allotted. So we'll stop and get more gas. Every stop we make exposes us. Every exposure increases the risk of getting caught. An extra 80 kilos means the Coney shock absorbers I installed for this job will not give us the ability to outmaneuver any police that might be chasing us. The excellent choice, Lee. Excellent choice. <laughs> the man who doesn't own a shirt. Yes. Uh, so my uh, honourable mention is the Transporter series. Yes, very good. Um, basically, Jason Statham plays a man called Frank Marshall, or sorry, I beg your pardon, Frank Martin, who's a professional freelance career driver. That's about as far as the plot goes. It is, yeah. It is. They are purely silly turn off your brain action films Jason Statham does a lot of karate and martial arts and drives around in some fast cars so in the most of them are, most of them are high end German performance yeah so the first film it starts off as a 7 series and then he goes to a Mercedes um, but my pick from the films is the W12 A8 from Transporter yeah. 2 and 3 I thought it might be <laughs> So look, there's not much to say about them. As I said, they are pure, just silly action car chases and beating some people up. But there's good humour in some of them. Jason Statham is Jason Statham. Character Jason Statham. One-dimensional. One <laughs> but uh, good fun, cool cars, bit of crack. Complete escape film if you're into cars and stuff and action. Yeah, you just turn, as you say, just turn your brain off and enjoy it. And yep. that's, that's what it's about. One of my favourite Jason Statham films is a film called Crank. You ever watch it? Yes. I've never seen it, but it's I've seen so the posters. It's so silly, but it's good. Oh, but it's so good. Yeah. It's so good. Am I right? Does he have to recharge himself through his, like... Aye. He has to he keep gets... his heart rate elevated or something, or... I can't exactly remember, but adrenaline. yeah. Adrenaline. He has to keep keeping adrenaline That's or something. That's it, yeah. <laughs> I know how he feels. Just get through the day. <laughs> <laughs> he basically sounds like somebody who drinks Monster all the time. Yeah. I can see him cutting the grass with you. <laughs> So my final pick then, and probably no surprise to anybody, is the first Fast and the Furious. <laughs> so had to be in there. Had to be in there. Where Where do you start? So what's your best time? I've never driven it. Why not? It scares the shit out of me. I probably don't need notes on this because I know these films inside out. A movie that spawned a culture. Yeah. Yeah. Pretty much. This is what kicked it off for me. I used to rally when I was younger and it was very low level stuff and we were working in the cars the night before and another friend of mine, he was the same. I was staying at his house that night and he says to me, oh, I have a film 
you'll like you. I was like, oh, what is it? And he told me. I was like, no, I've never heard of it. And he stuck it on. And for like an hour and a half, I just sat staring at the screen going, this is what I need to be doing. And it's just, <laughs> it's just so good. That opening scene where the Universal credits come up and then it drops into the uh, the Eclipse. And every time I hear that Universal intro, I think of the Fast and the Furious movie. It's just embedded in my brain. How many times do you think you've watched the original one? I honestly couldn't say. Like, it would be, it could be 50, like, without exaggeration. Yeah. And I would watch it another 50. Like, again, what, what makes this, there is obviously seven or eight other ones. I've lost track of them because I don't like them. But after three, I just went, meh. And even two was a bit meh. But the original series was based on an article, a Vibe article called Racer X, with street racing in LA. And they got a hold of it. And the producers looked at it and went, we can make a film with this. So all the cars in the scenes were like the initial street racing scene and even right down to race wars where there was like 1,500 cars used were all real life cars that people had modified. Universal actually hired the hero cars off the owners, i.e. the Eclipse, the Skylines, the RX-7s, and they had free reign to do whatever they want to them. So it was a sense you were getting money, you give them your car, you get it back highly modified, but oddly they picked highly modified versions and then just built like rebuild them so right. the guy who owned the uh the, the green eclipse that car was originally silver if i remember right and he told him do whatever you want just don't paint it green and of course it came back green <laughs> <laughs> i i love that car like that's my favorite car from the whole thing no uh, mine's the skyline the the yellow skyline no the silver one. Oh, from the second from one the second one yeah, yeah silver with the blue graphics um a few facts mine's, on mine's dom's garage car the dad's car oh the oh what is it i can't remember off the top of my head now i should know is it a mustard charger charger yes charger does charger um yeah that thing's evil so at the the initial racing leon's driving the yellow uh yellow bird skyline with the blue roll kids he blocks the road off and comes out with the famous line, Street slows, pizza boy, find another way home. <laughs> so that pizza boy was actually Rob Cohen, the director of the film. Yeah. That's right. Yeah. In the race war scene in the big fight, I never knocked on nobody. <laughs> Vin Diesel actually broke a stuntman's nose by mistake. He drew back to fake a punch and elbowed the guy in the face and broke his nose. <laughs> um, Take that, bitch. I, I don't think a lot of people know this, but and I, I found it by accident years ago was... If you buy the DVD option, it comes with a separate disc or else an after film on the original disc that shows a film that happens between the first film and Too Fast, Too Furious. Have you guys seen it? No. Have you seen it, Nigel? Is that the bit where at the very, very end of one, he's in Mexico or something? Yeah, so no? it, it, it shows you how he gets from like handing his keys to Dom and going on the run from being in the police to yeah. how he gets to Skyline and ends up in Miami. It's a very short, it's maybe only like five ten minutes kind of thing but it's it bridges a few gaps and you kind of go well yeah this is how you got here i remember the hype back at the time over the films was just insane i think rms had a opening cinema night didn't it york yet they probably did i never actually got to see it in the cinema and no i don't think i saw the first one in the cinema i saw the second and third ones the first one I ever I, seen in the cinema was Tokyo Drift because I chose to go see Biker Boys one week and says I'll go and see the Too Fast, Too Furious the next week and completely missed it in the cinema and was raging and Biker Boys was shit. I too went Fast, to see Too Fast. Furious wasn't great either, so. <laughs> I didn't miss much there. The uh, first one I watched in Newton Cinema, and I remember coming out 
after watching it and it was like a car meet outside yeah. just all the guys from modified cars that came to see it and what were you driving then the polo uh polo coupe s oh you thinking sure. of lambo doors and graphics up the side uh absolutely not <laughs> <laughs> so it's a film that has so many goofs as well and like every film has goofs but like this is littered with them and i love spotting them as i watch it some of them is like 12 gear changes and drag say, races yeah. <laughs> oh danger to manifold yeah like aluminium floors dropping out um the fact that the famous scene of the nitrous exploding when they shoot up the the eclipse nitrous doesn't actually explode um <laughs> at the start as well the rogers truck that they're going to hijack is driving out of the docks when you see it it leaves with three axles in the back of the trailer as it's driving down the road there's two axles yeah. Then must have lost lost one, did it? Well, it loses another because when the Civic drives underneath it, there's only a single axle on the back of the trailer. And then as the, <laughs> as the Civic comes back out, it has backed all its three axles again as it drives off. Fantastic. Um, the Civic sounds aren't cars, they're actually bikes. So the wee black Civic coupes they're using to steal their sound. They're dubbed over by motorbikes. The Charger that you love so much, Nigel, yeah. it's a strange one. He does a wheelie off the line, but he's also doing a burnout. So when you're wheeling, you have traction. When you're doing a burnout, you don't have traction. Yeah. He's doing a bit of both there. He's defined physics then? Pretty much. Well, it's Dom. Like, well, look, it was probably a bit of a hint of what's to come in the later films, I suppose. <laughs> <laughs> it's family. It's family. family. Um, and then another one then is uh, Hector's List for the, the cars. He's got a Motec exhaust system. When Motec don't make exhaust, they make ECUs. I was going to say, that's right. <laughs> yeah. There's a guy... How did they get that so wrong? With well, all the detail they went to, how did they get stuff like that wrong? There's a guy, Craig Lieberman, was an advisor on it, and he was big in the car scene and worked for, like... I think he worked for Ibex Springs and things like that, but he had a lot of high-end cars. And he says, basically, he went to them and gave them a lot of the dialogue, and they just went, okay, and mixed a whole lot of the lines up and wrote it whatever way they wanted. So he'd done oh, a lot right. of advisory work on it, but he says he was overruled on a lot of things. He has a YouTube channel. He's a that sounds like my work. Yeah, it sounds like everybody's <laughs> work, I suppose. He's a very opinionated guy, but if you want behind the scenes Fast and the Furious stuff, it's worth checking out his show. Another thing as well, they're stealing like VCR TV combos, yes. like 14-inch <laughs> like combo how, TVs. How old do you feel when you remember that that's what, that's yeah. what that was? And... Jesse brings up the schematics for the super suspension on a floppy disk. And you're like, <laughs> yeah, we're old folks. <laughs> but as Lee said, it's a film that exploded the car scene for better or for worse. It spawned, oh, well, it didn't better, spawn. For better. Yeah, well, that's it. It didn't spawn Max Power Magazine, but it pushed it into the stratosphere. Yeah, and into the public eye. The same with like Halfords. Halfords was, well, Halfords was starting as a car accessory shop and bike shop. And then, like you know, back then when those films were out, it was wall to wall with parts, you know. Yeah. It was like Harry's. Okay. Do you remember JK Autospares in Belfast? I do, yeah. They just went, they exploded with business supplying body kits in Ireland. The Racer's Edge. Yeah. yeah. I've actually noted here as well that not only exploded uh, Halford sales, Max Power sales, but also fiberglass sales as well. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's true. So, yeah, that's, that's my final pick. It's but, a film I absolutely love, like, but it's so bad. It's good. It's iconic so cheesy the acting is beyond terrible the <laughs> second one is worse the third so one bad. holds a special place in my heart because it's probably Tokyo my Drift. favorite of the lot um the second one suffered from the age-old problem of it got big they got a bigger budget and they just went cgi everything yeah after that where they started to turn into more kind of heist action films and not really car films anymore some of them are still all right 
but uh, Fast Six where they're in London doing the race and they're driving that I can't remember what it is. Is it the Some flip car? Some kind of a big American car. The red one with the big huge spoiler on it. Oh, that Dom's driving. Know. It's not a super oh, a road runner. Yeah, Plymouth. Roadrunner. Plymouth. Yeah. yeah, that is so cool. There's some great stuff in them. The the quotable lines, like how often in daily life, as evidenced by us saying ejecto sedo cause earlier, yeah. do we quote the lines <laughs> at each other like <laughs> I reckon especially the first film I could I could like act it out word for word. Yeah, I think you could. But no well, maybe, maybe we do a special episode where you reenact the whole film, Connor. I probably Olin. could to be fair. <laughs> I don't think anybody would listen to it though. <laughs> Bullshit, no one likes the tune around here. <laughs> Had to punch Lee. Some of the music in them as well is brilliant. Yeah, like the first one especially. I, I'm a new metal head, like, and it's very of its time, but it's so good. Yeah. So yeah, that, that's my pick. So excellent. some excellent choices there, folks. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Really enjoyed that. I'm sure there'll be people screaming at their radios, phones, headphones. Why like, do you not mention this? Why oh, the, do you not mention that? But there was so much we could have picked there was so much on my list that i had to rule out and i was just and it heart, broke my heart to do it but i think as well nigel you put up asking like what our listeners recommendations as well i think when we put this show out on our instagram we always put up the stories we'll put like the lists up for people so you can sort of browse through and see yeah. maybe something that catches their eye that they haven't seen before but there's so many good films you couldn't you can't narrow it down to five like yeah but if we're going to be in lockdown for a bit longer there's some there's some suggestions. Some quality watching. <laughs> I have just two more sort of honourable mentions. The first one was Smokey and the Bandit series. Yeah, That was on my short list. And the James Bond, sort of the cars of James Bond. You could just go down any sort of road with that, but yeah. my my One of my backup ones was Ford versus Ferrari. And it kind of killed me not to put it in. We watched it recently I, again. I haven't watched it because it's like seven quid and Amazon Prime. And Lee went mad thanks. and pressed, <laughs> pressed the button to pay for it. And I was like, oh no, but it was good. <laughs> it was good. Right, you've convinced me I'm going to spend seven pound later on. <laughs> yeah, no, it, it's, a, it's a good show. It's well worth it. Just moving on from that, I'd like to take a second to talk about our sponsor, Relo Global. Relo Global are an enthusiast-owned company providing you with not only premium automotive apparel, but accessories such as garage banners, posters stickers and air fresheners the northern ireland based are an official stockist for 8380 labs in the uk and europe so check them out at relo.global so we had a, a list a mile long from yourselves guys for questions and unfortunately we've ran a bit over with this so we'll leave those to the next episode and we'll catch us on it as always thanks so much to everybody who listens and shares and does their bit for the podcast themselves as i said at the start it was a tremendous reaction to Nigel's group B topic in the last one it was so good everybody's really enjoyed it remember to share the podcast on your social media tell friends about it tell us about it leave a review wherever you can just do your bit to get it out there for us collectively you can follow us on Instagram and Facebook at Relo Podcast I'm at Connor McCann I'm at Maxwell House 46 and I'm at VW Boy and we'll catch us again folks cheers bye, bye.